welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by two guests today, co-hosts of two different podcasts, Elliot Barr and Shanir Durand II, hosts of River City 93 and Can I Kick It? Um, I don't interview two people at once very often, so we do hellos one by one, right? So we'll start with Shanir. Hello. Hey, how are you? I am good. Thank you very much. And Elliot, hello to you. I'm doing well. It's good to see the Shamir get to go first this time. Usually he's go second. Yeah, yeah. Ellie, I like to mix Ellie it up. always starts everything off. I like to mix it up. Um, yeah, you guys have got the similar relationship to me and Taylor, right? Where one person always introduces the show. Yeah, yeah. Much. <laughs> so before we get into Can I Kick It, um, I want to get into the background a little bit, which is uh, your first podcast is the River City 93 podcast, the Richmond Kickers podcast, right? We are essentially co-Richmond Kickers podcasts here in Virginia. Yeah, yes. we are. <laughs> we look at you guys as more of the official one, the clean cut one, and we're more <laughs> of the gritty fan base we're here <laughs> <laughs> and you guys are both in a river uh i always get it wrong uh red army yeah, yeah the river, river city river. red army yes very very noisy <laughs> kind of miss the sound of it now i catch yeah. myself randomly just chanting stuff while i'm like doing the dishes yeah come on red army. <laughs> yeah what <laughs> looks at me like i'm a weirdo Nerd. have you seen have you seen the news that they're planning to come back like maybe later in the summer yes we have seen it um I, my wife is making sure that I don't go to any games because she's like, because I have asthma. So she's like, oh, I don't know if I'm comfortable with you going to games yet. I'm like, baby, I'll be fine. Trust me. I won't touch anyone knowing that's a complete and utter lie. Oh, yeah. Let, <laughs> let Richmond score a goal. Everyone's going to be group hugging. <laughs> Beer hugs are back on, baby. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that, whether it will be whether there'll be a crowd or not. I guess if they let people in, they could do like socially distanced crowd. We could fill out all of City Stadium just six feet apart. Probably so. Mm-hmm. But, but know. you know, you know, the Red Army will not follow that. They're we're they're gonna cluster together and start beating on those drums and the smoke bomb. We're so way. We'll all be in like space bubble suits. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I think you've got it. I think you've got it, Elliot. Space bubble suits for everybody. Yeah, well, I don't know space bubble suits and rich humidity mix. Oh no, that wouldn't work very well. Uh-uh. No, <laughs> I have okay. a lot of people passing out. <laughs> All right, we'll go back to the drawing board when it when time when the time comes. Then, um, yeah. so let let's talk the new show. You you guys have made the same mistake that Taylor and I have made, and you've started a second show. Um, yeah, we did. The we, new sh- we actually did. <laughs> the new show is called "Can I Kick It?" and it seems to be profiling black soccer players black coaches black movers and shakers in the soccer world and so the obvious question is why start can i kick it why have you started the second podcast um do you want to answer this or do you want me to um I'll, I'll answer this uh so basically we felt that we we wanted to go deeper because with um elliot elliot's a history buff yeah. and i'm a soccer nerd so and with both of us being black um we felt that if you be, didn't know we were both black, this this is a great way to introduce it to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. yeah. Uh, so not only did we feel that, you know, for our culture, it would be great to do that, but also to bring more awareness to the game, to the African-American community in the United States, especially. Um, we feel that lately it's been getting better, but there has been a, a certain level of disinterest with regards to soccer within the black community. And we felt that by glorifying some of the um, 
the great legends that have contributed so much to the game, so many of the black great legends, we felt that it would bring more people, more African-Americans, more black Americans to the game of soccer, which I feel would help black Americans because at the end of the day, there's a limit to the NBA. There's a limit to the NFL. There's a limit to. Yeah. And I mean, also the other thing about it is, when you look at soccer, you always get introduced to like Pele, Maradona, David Beckham. You know, you get introduced to those guys. But there's so many other people that don't get introduced to the game. Like one of the episodes that we did with like Wendy Renard, you would have never known her backstory and how inspirational it is if we never did this podcast, if we never dive deep into those stories and learn like what made her want to become, you know, one of the star players in the game today. Um, and it also, it's a lot of cool stories out there that you never would have heard about, like the Marcus Beasley car getting bombed in Glasgow. I'm surprised this never comes up. I know. <laughs> so I, yeah. I when, when you dropped the episodes on Juneteenth, I was really surprised by the people that you chose, right? So it's Demarcus Beasley, Wendy Renard, and Lincoln Phillips. And I, mm-hmm. I was expecting, like, just more famous names, right? Like, say, Pele or Didier Drogba or George Weah. In the end, I definitely think it's the right choice. Um, but I'm interested in why you chose those three specific characters. Um, well, Demarcus Beasley, we chose together mainly because the news just broke that he um, was looking to get his own USL team. Yeah. And it's one of the examples of a black person actually becoming an owner of the team, not just a head coach, but an actual owner of a team in his own community. Um, so that's why it stuck out to us. Wendy Bernard, uh, we wanted to highlight a black woman. Um, because, you know, a lot of black athletes, let alone women, don't get the certain love that they deserve. And Lika Phillips was a legend that here in the Richmond area, we just kind of started knowing about Shanera more than I. Uh, he knows a lot more about him than what I did. But we wanted to highlight him and give him some shine as well. The reason why we didn't start off with, like, Pele or Didier Drogba, because everyone knows their stories. Everyone knows who they are. Yeah. Um, we kind of did it with like the mom test, quote unquote. If my moms know who they are, then we're like, mm, yeah, maybe we don't need to start out with them. Yeah, it, w- it would feel a bit redundant yeah. uh, to go with those types of names. And I've always been a big fan of the underdog, you yeah. know, and, and the, the dark horse. And I feel that the three that we chose were the dark horses. You see DeMarcus Beasley. I mean, when you think U.S. men's national team, He's not the first name that comes to mind, yet he has played such a pivotal role. I mean, let yeah. alone not even the first black athlete. It, you really, when you think about U.S. men's national black athletes, it's kind of like Tim Howard, Josie Altador, um, now maybe DeAndre Yedlin, Eddie Pope, Kobe Jones. And then you kind of get into Marcus Beasley. Maybe Beasley is like third or fourth, but he's not one of the first ones you think of. And that's yeah. why we wanted to. Have him. He was kind of unique as being our first ever episode. Why do you yeah. think? Why do you think that is? Why it, doesn't he come to mind sooner? Um, it's it's very simple because you see it with professional soccer players. Period. If you're not the striker, you're not famous. Yeah. You know, it almost it's almost at that level. And um, Demarcus Beasley was very varied in the positions that he played. Yeah. So he was kind of a, a guy. He was a utility man. He was basically a Swiss Army knife of soccer. You could put him wherever you needed him, and he would do the job well. America's um, teammate. So, 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I also I also think he kind of it, it hurt it didn't hurt his career, but I think he was at the wrong spot at the wrong moment in the wrong time period. Because like a young winger that just won the go the silver ball at what the U seventeen World Cup mm-hmm. gets a move to PSV, replaces Ajahn Robin. If that happens in the day media market, we're talking about that all day. Yeah. yeah. Like, he goes to Man City before Man City becomes Man City. He goes to Rangers where Rangers are kind of starting to hit, um, starting to kind of tail out. He goes to Hanover, which is kind of starting to fail out. You know, he goes to Pueblo, which is one of the more remarkable teams in Mexico. Yeah. So it's kind of like wrong place, wrong time era. But yeah, yeah the, so- the big thing I think as well is there wasn't enough internet when Demarcus Beasley was at PSV. Um, if he yeah. was having that like early career at PSV. Um, in the modern era, right, where we have like individual player highlights are almost instantly on Twitter and we're all talking about it. Um, th- I think there would have been a lot more attention on this uh, American winger uh, playing in the Eredivisie. Like he would have been like the Tyler Adams, Weston McKenney type profile, but we just exactly. didn't have access, yeah. right? We just had posts on the big soccer board. That's all That's all we could manage back in the 80s. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's all it was. It was like you had to tell your mom, like, hey, mom, I'm being on the internet. Don't make a call to grandma. <laughs> That's the kind of internet we had. So obviously, I was familiar with Demarcus Beasley. I was familiar with Wendy Renard. I was not as familiar with Lincoln Phillips. So I think that was the episode I enjoyed the most, just because it's the one um, where I learned the most, right? Um, so yeah. I wanted to sort of, I, I guess, don't spoil the episode, right? Because people should go and listen to the full episode. Uh, but what, what made you decide that Lincoln Phillips was the guy you, you wanted to profile? Um, it, it really came down for me, um, and Shanair can talk about his reason why, but for me, it was being a graduate of a historical black college and university and learning about this historical black team that won a national championship and then learning the influence that that coach Lincoln Phillips had kind of already drew me in. Um, and plus Spike Lee is one of my favorite filmmakers. So when I learned that Spike Lee did his uh, ESPN 30 for 30 on Lincoln Phillips, it kind of just sealed it away for me to go more into his story. All right. That makes it easy to do some research, right? If you can just watch a Spike Lee 30 for 30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, for me, it was the impact that he's had, not only on the college game, um, the way colleges recruit and scout, but also on the effect that he's had on the U.S. men's national team with regards to our goalkeepers. Um, U.S. men's national team has always been known for having top-notch goalkeepers. You look back at Tony Miola, Brad Friedel, Casey Keller, Tim Howard, you know, Guzan. All of these guys are basically being trained within the U.S. men's national team under a system that he created. And just knowing that he had a hand in what the U.S. is a, a lot of times known for with regards to the international stage is a big deal, was, was something that was very remarkable to me. And how he kind of navigated under the radar mm-hmm. while still affecting everything. And, and uh, Elliot, you, you get made the perfect uh, analogy. Like he was, oh yeah, like Yoda. Yoda. <laughs> like he's there. <laughs> Were you see him? Like, he's pretty much like Yoda. Like, he's part of everything. Like, he controls, like, his influence branches off to so many different things that you don't realize it in the moment until you really sit down and dive into his story. You're like, oh, snap, because of the, he did this, this happened. Because he was a part of this team, this happened. So it's kind of like, 
yo, why isn't he why isn't he talked about more if when it comes to US soccer and yeah. You know, yeah. Trinidad and soccer and things like that. Yeah, what I gather from the show is uh, he was part of the goalkeeping staff for the 94 World Cup for the US. Yeah. And then he was also on the technical staff. I think, what, did you say he was like technical director for Trinidad and Tobago when they went to the World Cup in 2006? Yeah, and he actually went back to work. He's not like the old guy that just was like, are you going to retire? Nah, we'll keep working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he went back to Trinidad and Tobago now, I think, to be the head of scouting for them. It's just impressive, like all the work that he puts in. It's for like two federations, you know. Yeah. He's a, he's a living legend. Um, and we didn't mention, but his his big coaching career was at Howard, right? Howard University. Yes, yeah. Howard University. He actually spent time. At, I didn't believe in the first missionary told me, but at VCU. Yes, um, he, well. he did. Uh, I think it was two years. Yeah, uh, two or three years at VCU. At VCU as head coach, and then in the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Um, what, so again, I don't. I don't want to like ask you guys to to give away what's on your own show. Uh, but <laughs> there's a, there's a couple of things that are really significant about his spell at Howard, right? So I'm going to kind of turn it over to you guys to just. Uh, I guess if you could hit the highlights here, and then people can go to your show for the full story. I mean the the biggest the biggest highlight is 19 0 and 0. I mean. Yeah. To go through a season where you literally are steamrolling every team you come across. Um, 63 goals scored, six goals given up. In one in an entire season, uh, just allowing six goals and scoring 63, not losing, not drawing any games. Um, this, is, this is what Lincoln Phillips brought to yeah. Howard. And then also the other thing was not only his record at Howard, but also his recruiting practices and how that has – influence negative and positively HBCUs, but also um, public white institutes like your clubs as your Dukes, things like that, how they started recruiting. They changed their recruiting tactics based on how Howard was recruiting. Hey, this is Daryl jumping in with a quick ad for Fubo TV. I'm sure you've heard me gush about Fubo TV multiple times already. It really is the way that I watch soccer. If you're looking to get Fubo for yourself, I can recommend the family plan where three people can watch Fubo at the same time. You can also get a seven-day free trial so you can really see if Fubo works for you um, without spending a dime. And if you decide to sign up for the family plan, it's about $50 a month, which is obviously much more affordable than other cable providers. And of course, if you're all about the Premier League like we are right now, um, NBC Sports is included. If you want to get Fubo in time to see Liverpool win the Premier League or to see Wolves make the Champions League, maybe, um, or to see Christian Pulisic in action, um, then go to fubo.tv slash TSS and start your seven-day free trial. You won't regret it. It's fubo.tv slash TSS. Um, so you researched uh, Demarcus Beasley, Wendy Renard, Lincoln Phillips, there's got to be stuff that you didn't know before you started researching, right? So I want to ask you each, what's the most surprising thing you learned about each of these figures? Um, can we start with Chenier on DMB? Um, on DeMarcus, for me, the, the, the biggest thing was the, the car <laughs> blowing up in Glasgow. <laughs> and, and not only that, just knowing that it was it wasn't, he wasn't targeted. It was just wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. It's kind of like the hallmark of his career. Exactly. <laughs> his car was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and it was the one that happened to get blown up that day. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, For me, when it comes to the Marcus Beasley, I would say 
it's really his whole move to PSV and how that all came about. Mm-hmm. Um, PSV just happened to have a scout at the right tournament at the right time and pretty much was like, oh, yeah, we want him. And then the fact that he replaces uh, Ozzie Robin, who's making the move to Chelsea, and they give, like, Goose Hudding gives him the number 11 jersey. He's like, hey, you are the direct replacement. It's something that's kind of unheard of for an American player, let alone a black player at that. So that was kind of unique. And the fact that his nickname at PSV was McDonald's is also <laughs> Yeah, that that was the most surprising thing to me. That's one of the things I hadn't heard about DeMarcus Beasley. It made me think that the those Dutch players need a bit more imagination, right, in terms of their American <laughs> yeah. That's what they were saying. Like, it was like, come on, that's lazy. What about uh, Wendy Renard? Because I know she's definitely famous, right? For, especially from watching the last couple of women's World Cups. But I can't say I knew a lot about her background. I just knew I just knew her as a player, basically. Um, so I'm guessing that it was the same for you that you learned stuff about her background and her personal life that that you didn't know before. Uh, you want to start? Yeah. For for me, the 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 biggest thing that I learned when we were researching for this episode was how she ended up at Lyon. Yeah. Um, and, and just how basically it was a happy accident basically. And that, that was something that really was interesting to me. It it really stood out to me. Yeah. I would say for me, it's a combination of the lack of information on her because it's really not, we had this problem. Like it wasn't until the 2018 world cup that, she kind of started getting a profile. The fact that it was happening in France is kind of like she is the star player of this team, even though she's not the captain. It wasn't a lot of information about like her playing time at Lyon. It wasn't a lot of information about what she does in the community, things like that. It's kind of this is how she was at Martinique. This is how she got to Lyon. That's it. So I would say just, you know, if it was a any other player, like a men's player that had Wendy Bernard's profile of scoring I think like 100 goals for her club and scoring 40 for her, her country we would hear nothing short of that player you know yeah. she's kind of I, I don't want to say she's like Sergio Ramos because she doesn't she, to me she's not a master of the dark arts no. Sergio Ramos, <laughs> but like for Sergio Ramos I can type his name into Google and like 50 articles will pop up on, on different things whereas like Brendan Bernard is like Three articles kind of highlighting the same thing. Yeah. Um, so just the lack of attention to detail on a player that is so magnificent. Like she's been a part of the women's world eleven, I think, for four years in a row, and she's the only woman to do that. Like that's that's insane. And the My- fact that there's not information is kind of crazy. My take on Wendy Renard is that she's she's part of the rise of women's soccer, right? So because she's yeah, in that, she one of the early waves of uh, women's soccer becoming more known and more mainstream, there's not that much information out there because, you know, there wasn't the high profile to begin with. But when she leaves the game, it'll be in a much, much better state than, than when she entered. Yeah, yes. that's very true. Um, that's uh, a part of the movement. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like... Um, uh, Shania, you already knew a lot about uh, Lincoln Phillips. Was there anything that surprised you, or were you kind of like uh, you already had the encyclopedia on him? Um, no, for me, what surprised me was the um, scouting and recruitment tactics at Howard. I, I wasn't aware of of how much of an effect that how how that changed yeah. the recruiting game in college soccer. Um, knowing how he came about getting some of these players. Um, 
was was very interesting to me. And I said, wow, this is, so this is the first time someone decided to do this? <laughs> so I was like, you know what? They got some players in Africa. I think we'll go get those. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say, um, I, I know you guys started recruit, uh, researching, accidentally researching the whole team instead of just Lincoln Phillips because that yes. team's so famous. Is there an, an Aguchi Onyewu connection there? I don't, I don't know. I remember, I haven't researched this, so I'm, I might be getting this wrong, but I remember Aguchi Onyewu's father coming from Nigeria to play for Howard. So he might be part of that, like, Lincoln Phillips generation. He, he probably is. He probably is. He probably is. I mean, granted, there was, like, a five-year period where, I mean, it's hard to see, like, where's recruiting classes ranked, but it's a five-year period where he legitimately had the best team, college, pro, amateur, in American soccer, yeah, and they were playing at a black university, so it's probably, it's probably a good possibility. It could be, it could be, and and um, just a a little spoiler alert: we are planning on trying to probably have an episode dedicated to that Howard team. Yeah, yeah, I got, so, I definitely got that feel from listening to the Lincoln Phillips episode. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna dig deeper. We're gonna dig a lot deeper because we we didn't want to go too far down that rabbit hole because we wanted to encompass his entire career, uh, Lincoln Phillips' entire career. Yeah, but we're gonna have, we're gonna have to definitely go down that yeah. rabbit hole. <laughs> so the day for me about Lincoln Phillips that stuck out was the fact that he was a national team goalkeeper, <laughs> like every part of his life. And then he just like, oh yeah, I'm going to America to play. Like it's kind of like we were saying, like it's kind of weird to see that. Yeah. Because you can call him up. You don't have to stop being number one. But I guess at that time, like playing for Trinidad, it just wasn't a good career move, lucrative-wise. Yeah. My my guess is that Trinidad maybe probably didn't have that many national team games in the in the what. So he'd be like 60s and 70s, I think you guys said, is when he was (laughs) active as a goalkeeper. I wouldn't uh-huh. be surprised if you look at the records, there's not that many uh, Trinidad and Tobago national team games. Yeah, we did see, like, I think out of the seven starts, four of them were against club teams, like Wolves, Chelsea. Yeah. I think he had two against Mexico and another one against uh, two more Trinidadian teams. And what, um, what's next? So you mentioned Howard, right? Have you got a, have you got a short list of who you might be profiling next? I mean, you, I don't know if you want to commit to it right here, or if you want to just give me some names that you're thinking about. Um, we do. We're going to be dropping a poll on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, on Thursday with four t- uh, choices that we narrow down. Um, people and teams as well that we're interested in profiling, um, kind of going into their history as well. Um. Some people will know two of the options very well, and the other two people will kind of leave you a little question mark. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. I like it. That's a, that's a, a cagey answer, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about this one? Which current players do you think you would be profiling like 20, 30 years from now? Ooh, man. Um, I, I'll go. I'll say I think N'Golo Conte, definitely. Yeah. Because his rise from Khan to Leicester is impressive. Um, another one I say that I would love to go into is I would love to go into Kylian Mbappe's mm-hmm. story a little bit more. I feel like there's something there that not a lot of people are aware of. Um, Marcus Rashford, definitely with all the stuff he's doing now. Yeah. He's another one. Um, oh God. 
Weston McKinney, because I really see Weston McKinney being more of a, I, yeah, I see Weston McKinney being more of an activist yeah. than anything. Like, I feel like he's going to be known as I wouldn't, I, I don't want to compare him to Muhammad Ali, but he'll be the Muhammad Ali for his generation. Yeah, like his his career will be no more for political activism than trophies that he won in a club. I feel like, and um, oh yeah, no, sorry, keep going, keep going. Oh, and the last one, gosh, I feel like Tim Howard. Just the second part of his career, not so much the him being a player. I feel like more of him being the owner of Memphis, and I think he he owns a team in England. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Nali, but seeing him being more involved in that because I honestly, honestly enough, I can see Tim Howard being U.S. soccer president. <laughs> I, yeah. I can see it happening, and it wouldn't surprise me if I got that notification in 20 years. Like Tim Howard would get voted as U.S. soccer president and instituting pro rel, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> That's just <his> slow. <laughs> hey, it's Daryl here with another quick ad, and if I do say so myself, a pretty solid segue. Because podcasters like Elliot and Shanir and Taylor and myself know that you've got to stay hydrated. Otherwise, you get all kinds of weird mouth noises when you record. But also because you don't perform at 100% if you're not properly hydrated. And one way to get hydrated is to use today's sponsor, Hydrant. Hydrant creates flavoured electrolyte packets that you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious and I can confirm that both are true you just drop the packet in stir it around and you get the four essential electrolytes your body needs sodium potassium magnesium and zinc and at least in the sample packet that I got you got three different flavors lime blood orange and grapefruit all winners if you want to drink hydrant and stay hydrated you can get 25% off your first order by going to drinkhydrant.com slash soccer that's drinkhydrant.com slash soccer for 25% off your first order. One more time, drinkhydrant.com slash soccer. Okay, back to the interview. So um, I've heard you guys talk before um, about, you know, the lack of uh, black head coaches in American soccer. Um, you know, we've got Robin Fraser at Colorado Rapids. Um, Jordan Farrell is a guy that Taylor interviewed recently, Oakland Roots. And Michael Nassian at FC Tulsa are the only... Uh, three black head coaches that I can I can name. Um, but oh, there's the, one at uh, Hartford FC. Um, he came from South Hampton. I can't remember his name right now, but it's one at Hartford Athletic. Okay, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, the the thing I'm driving at though is thinking about Demarcus Beasley. Uh, looks like he's going to be setting up that team in what Fort Wayne, a USL mm-hmm. League One team, and Tim Howard getting into ownership. I'm kind of into the idea of black play, former black players uh, in positions of power even like above coaching and in a position to influence. Do you agree with that as like a, a trend that we might be seeing? Um, yeah, 100% I do. I think in soccer, it's a lot easier to get into the ownership model of it just because of how I know people don't think U.S. soccer is very open when it comes to buying teams, but it's not hard to have a soccer team buy. It's one of the cheaper options. Um, basketball is a little bit harder to get into because there's only 32 teams and I'm making new franchises. NFL, we know how difficult that is. Uh, It's kind of set in old money. You know, you're not going to supplant these guys that have owned these teams for 30, 40 years. Yeah. And soccer is kind of new where you can, like Fort Wayne, you can put a team there 
it kind of have to be your own thing. So I think soccer, you'll see more opportunities for ownership groups and more diverse ownership groups where there's, I think there's a women ownership group for uh, St. Louis mm-hmm. MLS. And, you know, you got two black owners here in USL. I can see more opportunities for it happening. I think the next step after these ownership groups is putting people of color, whether they be black, Latino, Asian, and putting them in positions to coach and, you know, be GMs or be uh, sporting directors, things like that. Do you um do you have any sort of enthusiasm about Ernie Stewart being the the sporting director for for US soccer? I was I was thinking of you mentioning Tim Howard as a future US soccer president. Um, does does <laughs> Ernie Stewart as sporting director give you any uh, cause for optimism? Yeah, it does. Um, you know, I know he's had his shortcomings <laughs> with a couple of things, but it does give me you know optimism to see like a person of color you know represent have such a high position in U.S. soccer. Um, I do wonder sometimes how is he looking to impact the game in the black community and how is he looking to expand it? Um, and how is he looking to get the game more open to people underneath that kind of middle range, middle class family style? Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we all know like soccer is a very expensive sport to play travel club and things like that. So how is he looking to make it more accessible for people that don't have, you know, just tons of money saved away or they could just dedicate hours and put hours and hours of doing this. So that's kind of like where I'm at with Ernie Stewart. But I am happy to see that he was able to, you know, get the position. Yeah, actually, it strikes me as you say that, that, I mean, he's obviously got a big, big job to do just in terms of coordinating, you know, all the men's national teams and overseeing some of the women's national team stuff as well. It's almost like, I've only just realized when I asked you that question that, it's almost like we're expecting him or I'm expecting him to do a whole like racial justice element of his job. That's like an extra, a whole extra role that we're asking him to take on. Yeah. And it's not easy. You know, it's not easy for anyone to take their own by themselves. But I think we're Ernie Stewart. Um, and like, this is for all things that we've been saying is just make sure you hire the people to put in the right positions. Cause I mean, it's unrealistic. to think Ernie can do all that by himself. Yeah. That's what made us miss out on the, 2018 World Cup. Someone thought they could do it all by themselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not putting any names out there. But, um, you know, I, I think just allowing people to be put in the right positions. You know, you got lessons of the game like Kobe Jones and um, Eddie Pope and Marcus Edu that are more than enough willing and able. Even Bill Hamid yeah. will be a great person to, you know, kind of start that diversity and outreach team. Or like Crystal Duff is, she would be amazing. Um, to kind of lead that diversity outreach and figure out ways of how to expand the game and, you know, areas where the game has that reached or it's lacking. Okay. I want to go back to DeMarcus Beasley. Um, I'd forgotten to ask you about this. I saw on Twitter that he retweeted and said, looking forward to listening about the episode about himself. Um, and I, I want to ask you like when you see that, are you excited for him to hear it? Or do you think, Oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Is there anything, <laughs> is there anything no, I, you're not looking forward to Demarcus Beasley hearing? Um, I don't think so because my, my first reaction was just went straight fanboy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think both our reactions was like, I think we got the notification at the same time. We were like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> we were like, dude, I think a Russian bot just liked our uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, no, I think that's really you. <clears throat> We were like, 
Oh snap, that is him. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think um I would hope that we 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 did it justice. Um yeah. I hope so. And um I hope he does uh see it as a good a good podcast episode about him. Um I don't think there's anything that I mean in terms of of these players, I'm I know I a lot of times focus more on you know style of play or or how they how they look on the field what they doing on the field, but I focus more on how they like their alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, I usually try and and stay neutral and not because I of course I always have my opinions of how I think the game should be played. Everyone does, yeah. you know, but. Um, with regards to Demarcus Beasley, it, it was pretty easy to just focus on how much of how much of of of, of a of a fighter he was on the field, um, and how much of it's just aggressive, will come at you hard. He'll he won't do anything dirty, but he he will let you know he's there. Um, his pace. His, his, his. I mean, in terms of his physical fitness, and I mean, how how many World Cups? Four World Cups. Yeah, four World Cups played it for. Would have been five if it wasn't for a certain person. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I, I just feel that to know that someone of that stature actually yeah. is paying attention and see hears is is going to hear our podcast about him. It's just, I'm I'm just over the moon about it. Over yeah. the moon. Because we're used to doing, like, player interviews. But it's guys that, like, play here at Richmond. Not saying they're not new players. They're kind of, I mean, they're professional soccer players. But we know them. We, we see them day in and day out. And, like, for us to have no interaction with DeMarcus Beasley, with Wendy Bernard, you know, it's kind of, like, eye-catching as well. And I get, I, for them, you know, I can't speak for them, but I'm guessing it's, like, to see two guys – in Richmond, Virginia, really take the time to dive in and do the proper research on their backstories, to them makes them feel like, you know, I've I, I, people are paying attention to what I do and how I play the game and want to spend the time to talk about my play career and my life. Um, and, you know, one of the things that Misha and I always say is that we want to give people their flowers before it's too late. You know, exactly. We want to give them their respects to what they poured into the game because we know playing the game of soccer even as amateurs, it's not easy to do. So I can imagine, you know. At that, the highest level. Yeah, at the highest level of what they have to go through. So definitely want to give them their respects. And I think that's what, like, the whole compass of the podcast is, is to give people that hasn't necessarily gotten that respect or you don't know a lot about their stories, giving them their just due and giving them a platform to, you know, display those stories, whether known or unknown. So the show, once again, is called Can I Kick It? Um, is there anything else you guys want to want people to know about the show? Um, so, yeah. So up till this upcoming Friday, um, we are donating, what is it, $5? $5. Yeah, $5 for every 25 listens to um, two um, black programs here in the city of Richmond. Um, the first one is Partnership for the Future, which is a program I was in when I was in high school. Uh, we pretty much help students in inner city schools. Um Gives them college training, you know, helps them find internships at a high school level, 
and helps them get prepared for the business world and learning etiquette skills, things of that nature. Um, and the second is the Black History Museum, which is on East Lee Street here in Richmond. If you ever come to Richmond, I tell everyone go to the Black History Museum, but um, it's fairly new. I want to say maybe two or three years old, um, but it's a museum pretty much in the one in D.C. dedicated to Black history nationwide, but also here in the city of Richmond. Um, they have an excellent museum exhibit my bad, on the Richmond 34. For those who don't know, I encourage you to go look it up because it's a wonderful story and everyone needs to know who the Richmond 34 are. All right. Thank you, Elliot and Shanir. The podcast, once again, is Can I Kick It? I'll put a link in the show notes for people who can't manage to find it on their own. Um, Elliot and Shanir, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you, man. Thank you for having us.